Hey guys, welcome to our ninth APU History Review Podcast. My name is EVA and I'll be hosting this ninth session reviewing some important points from period seven. The purpose of this podcast is for you to use this as a resource to prepare for your AP exam in May. Whether you're doing chores around the house or working out, we hope you can use this audio to review and remember some important historical events you're going to need for the exam. Finishing off from period six, we ended with America being in the Gilded Age. And as we saw then, we kind of have the situation where there are a lot of good and positive things happening to the country, but also an equal amount of injustices and corruption going on for the people within. Because of this, we start to move into period seven, which timeline-wise is going to be 1890 to 1945. And at the start is the Progressive Era, which is 1896 to 1916. Here we have reformers for different social, political, and economic issues coming to really try and change the problems during the Gilded Age. The first set of reforms we will discuss are political progressions. As seen, America is really trying to get the government more involved in the affairs of the people and move away from laissez-faire, which means, yes, that's correct, a hands-off approach. We have the Interstate Commerce Act of 1887, which is very similar to the Grange Laws, is to protect the railroad regulation so that big businesses and monopolies do not exploit their prices for their own gain. On that note, the Sherman and Antitrust Act of 1890 and the Clayton Anti-Act of 1914 come into play to really help the monopolies and trust manipulation, ultimately deeming them illegal. As we push forward, there are a number of moral reforms made. In the light of the 18th Amendment in 1917, this creates prohibition, a word we have seen before, meaning no more alcohol. This amendment really pushed by the religious groups, but as you can imagine, people did not take kindly to this, especially when we saw it back during Hamilton's financial plan. People did not follow this rule now as either. While many did not want the government whatever happens happens attitude and wanted them to have a stronghold, there was still progression for the role of the people in these decisions. One main product of this concept of recall, which means that if the citizens can mobilize together and get a running petition, an official can be removed from office. This, like the voter initiative, citizens using petition to trigger votes, and the voter referendum, citizens approving and rejecting a law, we see that while the government may have control, so do the people. Some more success during this area are the much improved labor laws. We see child labor ban, set work hours, a minimum wage, and compensation for overtime, including the Factory Act of 1877 for improved work conditions. All of these are a lot more similar to what we have today. Very rigid rules and regulations for the employer and employee relationship to ensure everyone is working fairly. There are other reformers during this time, including the Muckwreckers, which is an AKA for dirty water. This name was bestowed upon the journalists who dedicated their writing to highlighting the political and social issues. We have Jacob Rees, who wrote How the Other Lives Lived in 1890, which showed the power conditions of urban living and a part of the labor reforms. Lincoln Steffens wrote The Shame of the Cities in 1904, focusing on the tyrannical political machines. Ida Tarbell also hopped on the political issues train, writing the history of Standard Oil in 1904 to expose Rockefeller and his monopolies. Upton Sinclair took a more social approach and wrote The Jungle in 1906, letting Americans know that the condition of immigrant life and even touched on how food and meat are produced, which wasn't pretty. Shifting gears a little, period seven, while attempting to fix the bad parts of the Gilded Age, the positive parts continue and we see a boom to bust scenario. New technology and techniques, mass production, the electric light bulb, even airplanes and household appliances like vacuums and irons are now here. 
The radio becomes a pretty prominent invention in 1920, along with Henry Ford's automobile. These new products, especially Ford's automobile, reflect consumerism within America, meaning buying more into a luxury lifestyle and the standard of life is going to continue to increase. This new consumer culture, the economy is skyrocketing. Thanks to urbanization, by 1920, 50% of our population is living in cities, and today that number is at 80%. Women continued their effort to change, especially seen with the flappers. Flapper women broke away from Victorian modesty and wore more makeup. They cut their dresses to end right above the shins and wore bob haircuts. Unfortunately, with all these booming efforts in the economy, there are still some major issues, one of which being economic instability. There are signs of this. Previously, we mentioned the new technique of mass production, which seemed like a good idea at the time, although now it was causing overproduction, meaning too many goods were being made, resulting in wasted resources, and not enough people being able to buy them led to underconsumption, directly paired with overproduction. These ultimately became the contributing factors to the stock market crash. On October 19, 1929, better known as Black Tuesday, stocks took a dramatic drop, leading to Americans losing millions of dollars in a matter of hours. This heavy drop in money causes the economy to crash and throws people right into the Great Depression. Contrary to popular belief, the Great Depression was not just an American problem, but since America has now become a world power, it became an international one. We have 33% of an unemployment rate, 90,000 businesses going bankrupt and losing people's money. You see, back then, the bank was not just a place to store money and there were no rules. So banks would invest this money into the stock market, which just crashed. See the problem? Now we have people living these luxury lifestyles and being in consumerism with a loss of income and their savings. People start having to move into Hoovervilles, named after President Hoover, which are towns for the homeless. Like I said before, people in similar, similar economic classes tend to live together. And like always, people needed someone to point the finger at, the person on the opposite end of that finger being President Hoover. With the state of America being in shambles, it's going to take some serious government intervention to get a stronghold on these struggles. And that is exactly what happened when, in 1932, Americans elected Franklin D. Roosevelt, who was a liberal Democrat. Roosevelt proposes a program to fix the country's problems, Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal. Here are some things you need to know about FDR's programs. It came in two waves, the first wave being the first 100 days that the program starts. Within these 100 days, during 1933, 15 bills are passed through Congress, including some ones I'm going to talk about now. The Civilian Conservation Corps, appointing single men to work for natural resource conservation. The Agricultural Adjustment Act, reducing agriculture prices and helping poorer farmers. And the Tennessee Valley Authority, which built hydroelectricity to improve the South and continue industrialization there. With the second wave, we see a trend to group FDR's New Deal programs, relief, recovery, and reform, to help relieve Americans, stimulate the growth of the economy, and create changes, some of which includes the Social Security Act, which is essentially a retirement plan and a check form from the government, and the Wagner Act, going back on the labor movement, deeming it a legal right for Americans to be a part of unions and reporting their employers. We find with all these changes, we have two sides of people with their opinions on FDR's plans. Conservatives say that the government is being too invasive, and liberals are saying that it's not enough. It gets so heated that the Supreme Court is involved in attempting to take down some of the New Deal programs. Of course, President Roosevelt was not having this and instituted court packing, his attempt to add justices to the Supreme Court.
who would favor his bills. While President Roosevelt did make a lot of changes, it's really important to note that the New Deal did not end the Great Depression. It was simply a helping hand in the issue of ending unemployment. Another major effect of the New Deal and Roosevelt's presidency was the political parties rebranding themselves. Here's the shift where we see Democrats are more harmonious with today as they are working class and minorities. Amidst all this economic hoopla, we will also need to know about pop culture during the early 1900s. With the invention of the radio, people all over are listening to the same songs and the cinemas are cheap leisure activities. The Harlem Renaissance marked as a Black cultural movement with honorable mentions like Langston Hughes, who was a poet to emphasize the beauty of Black. Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington were jazz musicians to also help promote Blackness. There was also a lot of fear during this time, including the first Red Scare from 1917 to 1920, marked by the fear of communism. It came from the results of the Russian Revolution, where a communist group takes over, creating the USSR. This spurs the conflict between the ideas of communism and democracy, which also play into the continued racial and immigrant issues. Opinions on imperialism also took over. Imperialism is when a country expands its territory and some were for it, while others, such as anti-imperialists, were against it. Ultimately, imperialism won out and things such as the Monroe Doctrine in 1823, telling Europe to stay out of the Western Hemisphere, Matthew Perry in 1853, helping opening up Japan and the first International Pan-American Conference in 1889, which ultimately leads to the Pan-American Highway. So, this concludes our ninth review session covering period 7 from 1898 to 1945. I hope you guys learned something new or are able to refresh your memories. Stay tuned for our next episode on World War I and World War II. Thank you and good luck on your APUSH exam.